What's up guys? Welcome to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia and we are here with the long-awaited, highly asked for, highly anticipated episode about everything that has to do with the crazy miracle Cleo Smith cute baby that was abducted and found. We'd actually planned to do this episode anyway because we didn't think she would be found after all this time so it turned out to be amazing timing for us. So full credit to us again, as usual. <laughs> just, just kidding. For someone who gets mad at me. Yeah. So this episode is going to be, you know, we're always just changing up the episodes these days. But this one's just going to be a little different just because this one, it's a pretty big case. It's going to be pretty long anyways. So we're probably not going to really talk about other cases at the end like we have been. But instead, what we're going to do is we had... Um, like a little Instagram submission thing. We asked what you guys, what questions you guys had or what you wanted to hear us talk about specifically. So we're going to do that at the end. Not that we have secret answers to these questions, but it's a lot of stuff that we've all been wondering as well. So we will do that after we go through the main story. I'm going to read half the story and Olivia is going to do half the story. Some of the locations are weird Australian words that I don't know. <laughs> So I'll say it now. Don't message me about it because I'm still getting messages about Alec Murdoch. Like, put that on my tombstone. You'll never leave that down. Um, but yes, Olivia has been coaching me on how to say them. I wrote it down, but definitely just my brain doesn't want to do it. So We do have a lot of weird place names in Australia. So there's a few of them in this one. I know. It's usually you asking me, like, <laughs> Chick-fil-A and Bucky's. <laughs> We're going to get right into it. Like we said, it's going to be a long one. So let's start. If you know anything, anything at all, Call the police because we want our daughter back and yep. she wants us. Our daughter, Isla, she needs her big sister. We need her home. What's your name, sweetheart? Um, my name is Cleo. Your name is Cleo. Hello, Cleo. The outcome that is, was achieved at about 1am this morning, uh, when four officers went in and broke down the door and found little Cleo in a room. And as you can see, she's alive, she's safe, and she's back with mum and dad. Cleo Smith is a four-year-old girl who went missing on October 16th, 2021 from Western Australia. Her story, like we just said, had totally unexpected outcome. She was missing for like three weeks. Everyone assumed the worst, sadly, but that's usually how these stories turn out. And one day I get a text from Olivia saying, they ducking found Cleo <laughs> instead of <laughs> fucking. <laughs> and I said, what? In all capitals, because it was so unexpected. But it was literally out of the blue. Like no one, 
the, the police obviously didn't release any information. So it was totally out of the blue for everyone. Every, like my phone, yeah, anyway, we'll go into it, but it was crazy. Yeah, I was um, making dinner and my phone was vibrating and, and like no one talks to me besides my boyfriend who I live with. So I was like, who's texting me? And I was like, maybe it's Olivia with like an update on something. And I was like, nah, there's nothing going on. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get there in the timeline. Okay, back to back to that. On October 16th, Cleo went camping with her parents and her baby sister, Isla. Cute name. Not spelt that way, though. Um, her mother is Ellie Smith, and her mom's boyfriend, stepfather type situation is Jake Glidden. I'm pretty sure Jake is Isla's dad. He's just not Cleo's biological dad. He's been around for a long time, I think, with Ellie's, oh, with Ellie, um, Cleo's mom. Yeah. So Ellie Smith, mom, Jake Glidden, dad, Isla, baby sister. They all went camping on the 16th. Just for a little bit of background info, Ellie works at a beauty salon in Carnarvon, and Jake works for a mining company in Rio Tinto. They were at a camp area near Carnarvon in Western Australia known as Quabba Blowholes Campsite. The area they were camping in is pretty remote. This is according to the Carnarvon Visitor Center website. It says the Blowholes Campground, also known as Point Quaba, is located along the Quaba coastline nearby the awe-inspiring site of the Blowholes. It's located just 75 kilometers north of Carnarvon on a bitumen road. Powerful ocean swells force water through sea caves and up out of narrow holes in the rocks. Jets of water erupt into the air, sometimes up to a height of 20 meters, creating a spectacular sight. Just one kilometer south of the blowholes is a calm coral-filled lagoon known to the locals as the Aquarium, with fish and shells in abundance and a white sandy beach, making it a perfect hangout spot for the family or even a beach picnic. The lagoon is an ideal spot for snorkeling, especially for those least confident in water. So sounds like a nice spot. Beautiful by the photos. Like Western Australia is absolutely stunning. The like the oceans are aqua, and it's a very um, at the moment too. They're closed from the rest of the world because of COVID. So they don't. They're not letting anyone in, even from other states in Australia. So it's very at the moment. It'd be so quiet and pristine, and would just be beautiful. Jealous. <laughs> Cleo and her family allegedly arrived at the campsite the night before she disappeared, which would be October fifteenth. They set up their campsite, and it's believed that Cleo went to bed around 8 p.m. that night. Their camping setup was a multi-room tent that had a divider separating the kids and the adults. So Cleo was set up in one room on a mattress, and Isla was in a little cot next to her, so they kind of had their own room. I know some people, and we'll talk about this later too, but people are like, how did they get taken from a tent without anyone waking up and things like that? So, I mean, it is a bigger tent with separated rooms. Still yeah. a little crazy, but less crazy than a small baby tent. Um, and then Ellie and Jake were on a blow-up mattress in the next room. Cleo was wearing a pink and purple Bonds brand sleep suit to bed that night. And you've probably seen that pictured in her missing posters and things like that. Ellie said that Cleo woke up around 1.30 a.m. that night, which was kind of weird. Uh, it was originally reported that there was an interaction between them at 1.30 in the morning, which kind of set off people were already like suspicious of the parents but when the news says stuff like that i feel like it kind of just added fuel to that fire weird terminology and, like yeah look, you know it, rather than just coming out and saying you know she why she was. woke up just like an interaction it just sounds very mysterious and strange 
a 1.30 a.m. interaction? What? <laughs> when really, all it was was that Cleo got up and she was thirsty and asked for some water. So, seems pretty normal. Um, Cleo's mother has spoken out about this and she said, I checked on Isla, made sure Isla was okay. I got back in bed. That was it, really. We went back to sleep, woke up to Isla wanting a bottle. So Ellie woke up again around 6, 6.30 a.m. and realized Cleo was not in the tent, and neither was her distinctive adult-sized sleeping bag, which is still unaccounted for to this day. Ellie said, as we passed the divider, I went into the other room and the zipper was open. Cleo was gone, and that was about it for Saturday morning until everything started. There's been a lot of rumors and stuff with this case, kind of like I mentioned before. One of the most widely spread rumors that has since been proved untrue was that Cleo's parents waited hours to call the police um, after they discovered that she was missing. But the police did end up releasing a timeline. And it does say that Ellie called the police at 6.26 a.m., which is very prompt and quick considering she woke up around 6. I think some of the kind of um, misinformation about that is possibly because of the time difference in Australia. So, for example, we where I live near Sydney, we are three hours ahead of Perth or Western Australia. So I feel like that may have accounted for some of the discrepancy when people are like, well, she waited hours, but she didn't. It was that like the right time there. It was just a different time yeah. for everyone else. Time zones fucking sucks. Yeah. yeah. So here's just a little bit of the timeline from that day. 6.30 a.m., a car with two officers is dispatched from Carnivon Police Station using flashing lights and sirens. 6.41 a.m., another vehicle is sent with two officers and lights and sirens. 7.10 a.m., the first police car arrives, and the second arrives a few minutes later. So already less than an hour. We got a bunch of cops there. 7.26 a.m., police establish a protected forensic area, taping off the tent and the campsite. 7.33, police request a drone operator to be sent from Geraldton. 7.44, a third police car is sent. 8 a.m., friends and family members arrive to help search for Cleo. Detectives go to the family home in Carnarvon to look for signs of Cleo. Then they return to blowholes to stop vehicles in the area. Please request an SES team. State emergency service team. Ah, to join the search around blowholes. 8.20, third police car arrives at the campsite. 8.24, police incident controller John Monday from Geraldton arranges to travel to the area with a mobile policing facility and contacts police air wing and volunteer marine searchers. So crazy. That's two hours after the police were called and they're like already mobilized this much for, and they, at this stage they had no idea what had happened. So crazy. Yeah, much faster than here. <laughs> 8.34, police set up a roadblock at the entrance to the blowholes campsite. 9.25, nine SES personnel arrive and begin searching for Cleo. 9.30 a.m., Carnarvon detectives sit down with Ellie and stay with her all day. So then 11 a.m., homicide detectives from the major crime unit are sent by road from Perth to Carnarvon. 1 p.m., homicide officers and search experts from emergency operations leave Perth by police air wing for Carnarvon. 3 p.m., officers arrive in Carnarvon, and Ellie, she spoke a bit about the search for Cleo that day. She said, We went looking, trekking, making sure she wasn't around the tent. Then we got in the car and started driving everywhere. We grew up here. We literally grew up 100 meters from where we stayed at the same age. So we just looked everywhere that we went as kids and we couldn't find her. We realized we had to call the cops because she wasn't here. She described what she was thinking at the time. She said she was just thinking, where is she? She needs breakfast. What is she doing? Everything was going through my head. 
One other thing to add just quickly about that is when it says, for instance, that they sent people by road from Perth to Carnarvon, it's a big drive. It's like a 10, you know, nine or 10 hour drive, 900 kilometers, which I don't know is like 600 miles or anyway, a long way. So they dispatched all these people within a few hours to drive for 10 hours to get to the site, which is Hmm. interesting. Yeah. Clearly this was taken very seriously from the start, which is great. By 6am, she had vanished. Her sleeping bag also gone, leaving a five-hour window with a number of terrifying possibilities. And her uncle said she's not the kind of kid to get up in the middle of the night and go for a wander. A full-scale search is launched involving SES, aircraft, drones and sea vessels. Then, the next day... We are gravely concerned for the safety of Cleo. We're not leaving anything to chance. Police begin investigating the frightening possibility that Cleo was abducted. The area that this happened in, the campsite, it's full of dangerous obstacles for kids. There's mines, there's the ocean right there, there's rocks, there's cliffs. So not a great place for a kid to be lost in. So Cleo disappeared in the early hours of Saturday, October 16th. And on Monday, October 18th, homicide detectives arrived at the campsite to begin their investigation. Inspector Joe Monday said officers were stopping cars and caravans to search the interiors and take driver's details before letting the vehicles leave the area. Um, He said, we're trying to paint the picture of who was around here during the window of opportunity between the early hours of Saturday morning and 6 a.m. Saturday and what leads they could give us. Locals were asked by police to check their properties, garbage bins for any signs of Cleo or her sleeping bag. The bag was gray or black and bright red, so it would be hard to miss if you saw it. So from here, information started coming out in dribs and drabs as the days went on. Tuesday, October 19th, we learned that the tent was almost wide open when Ellie woke up on the morning that Cleo disappeared. Um, She said after Cleo woke up at 1.30 and had a drink of water, Ellie checked on her daughter, Isla, before going back to bed in a separate part of the tent. A few hours later, she woke up to Isla wanting a bottle and noticed the tent was open. She noticed that Cleo's sleeping bag was gone and that the tent was completely open. And she said, it was about 30 centimeters from open. I turned to Jake and said, Cleo's gone. And that's when they knew there was trouble. I think a few people had trouble kind of picturing what she meant by this. But what I'm I'm certain that she meant is that... The zipper opened from the bottom, so someone had unzipped it all the way almost to the top, and it was a lot higher than Cleo obviously could have reached being four years old. So it was almost fully unzipped, kind of like an adult had stepped through it. Yeah, like it was too high for Cleo to have unzipped herself. I've read other comments that you can apparently get like childproof tents where you open the zipper from the top so the kids can't get out. But obviously that was not this type of tent. It was one that the zipper unzipped from the bottom. So Mm -hmm. that's what they mean by about, yeah, there was a bit of discussion about it at the time. So I just sort of clarify. But, yeah, so basically open from the bottom to the top and it was about 30 centimetres from being fully open at the top. Yeah. Basically it was too high for her to have reached to have done it herself. Yeah. The public began questioning if Cleo was ever even actually at the campsite because – that's what we do. We just question everything. Yeah. And it's generally like stranger kid kidnappings are so rare, which I know we're going to go into now, but it's a lot of the times it's always the parents who are first considered. Yeah. Immediately everyone was suspicious of the parents being involved um, because the statistic here in America over 
460,000 children go missing every year. In 2015, only 0.1% of the missing children cases were the result of stranger abductions. So it is very rare, which is why usually when a child goes missing, the first thought is it was someone who knew the child. So this is how they knew that Cleo was there. She wasn't seen on any CCTV footage, but they said on CCTV footage they could hear Cleo talking, and that was their evidence that she was there, which isn't another thing that people side-eyed, but it is what it is. At this point in the investigation, you know, people were starting to question, you know, how could, if, if it was a true abduction, how could they have not heard the tent opening, you know, and even like Cleo's sleeping bag would have rustled, you know, that plasticky whatever it is, polyester material, like there would have been, you would have thought there would have been a lot of noise. So it just seemed like there might have been some things that weren't adding up. Plus the stuff like the bout, they had an interaction, like that's all seemed very weird. So yeah, I think at the time it was very all weird and suspicious seeming. And I think coming right off of Gabby being like the big case before this, everyone was mistrusting everything. Yeah. Yeah. So police interviewed more than 100 campers who had been in the vicinity of the Blowholes campsite during the time. Witnesses reported seeing a car that was believed to be a sedan in the early hours of October 16th, which is right around the time that she would have disappeared. The vehicle was turning south off Blowholes Road and headed for Carnarvon. Some campers reported hearing the noise of a screeching car tires around 3 a.m. the morning that Cleo disappeared. And the timing of the car sighting coincides with the sound that they heard. So it seems like that could have been the car rapidly leaving around 3 a.m. after Cleo was abducted. So it was kind of the first evidence we got that this could have been like a weird abduction. The witnesses were traveling north on the Northwest Coastal Highway on their way to work when they spotted the mysterious car leaving the campground. They were unable to give a description of the car or how many people were inside as it was dark. So the search for Cleo continues. More than 100 police officers were assigned to the case named Task Force R-O-D-I-A. I think it's Rodeo because I've seen it sometimes in all capitals and other times not. So, yeah, Task Force Rodeo. I know they just assign random names to these things. So that was Task Force Rodeo? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Australian Federal Police even used a reconnaissance spy plane. Home Affairs Minister Karen Andrews said the following during a session of Parliament. They're currently doing that in the case of four-year-old Cleo Smith, who disappeared from a campsite in Western Australia. Our thoughts are with the family, and I can assure them that the advanced capabilities of federal law enforcement are being deployed to aid local efforts to find Cleo. Australians can be certain that we will continue to equip our law enforcement and intelligence agencies with the tools and the resources that they need to combat this very serious crime and especially crimes against children. Nice. Reassuring. The Western Australian government offered up a million-dollar reward. The Western Australia Premier Mark McGowan said the reward was for information resulting in finding Cleo or leading to the arrest and conviction of anyone involved in her suspicious disappearance. Uh, It's a very sad situation, a very difficult situation. Naturally, our thoughts go to everyone involved, especially the family and friends uh, of Cleo. Uh, Today, uh, we um, uh, have... uh, Well, sorry, before I announce something. Uh, We have ensured that we have delivered all the resources that police have requested in relation to this case. Uh, And so uh, police are uh, working round the clock to try and find Cleo uh, right now. Uh, We've... uh, 
we're going to offer a $1 million reward uh, to anyone who provides information that leads to us finding Cleo. So uh, the, the police are very keen to offer this reward to hopefully allow for us to uh, discover the locations of the location of Cleo uh, as soon as possible. And uh, I just urge anyone who has any knowledge of the location of Cleo, please uh, provide that information to police. Uh, and ensure that we can uh, provide some certainty and um, uh, information uh, to Cleo's loved ones and hopefully bring Cleo back safe and sound. He said, we want to ensure police have everything they need to solve this case, and that's why my government has no hesitation in supporting police with this reward offer. So that's a lot of money. <laughs> and I also don't remember a case, a recent case anyway, where where it was so high profile, like, I guess this thing happens, like this type of crime or event happens so rarely, like even the prime minister, like the leader of the entire country was involved. He was tweeting about it, you know, making statements about it. So it's, it was a, it's a big deal. Like they, they obviously were, I can't really think of any, I think, I feel like, and I know this isn't the same, but William Tyrrell went missing years ago now and he has never been found. That's probably the other, one of the most high profile cases. I think there's a million dollar reward for his information as well. He's still missing. But, you know, yeah. there's, it just doesn't happen very often. And I guess they were just throwing everything at it. Everyone was aware of what was going on. It was just all over the news everywhere. Yeah. And I think that they were kind of afraid this would be another William case. Yeah. And it could have been. Well, yeah. Um, I thought it was heading that way. But not to like jump ahead, but I mean, spoiler alert i'm sure everyone kind of already knows what happens but um i feel like obviously the police kind of knew more than the public at this point so mm. using the million dollars to try to get actual leads into what happened to bribe people because i feel like that's what they were trying to do well i feel like that's yeah. what any reward is but with such a high number like if i knew something about this guy who was like and eh, not really my friend, but at first I was like, eh, I don't really want to get involved. If someone's like for a million dollars, I'd be like, hell yeah, fuck you. Even if that person was my friend, fuck you. <laughs> um, so during a press conference on October 21st, police said they were looking for a body and they believed Cleo had been abducted. They said, given the information now that we've gleaned from the scene, the fact that the search has gone on for this period of time and we haven't been able to locate her, it leads us to believe that she was taken from the tent. Cleo's mother made a few social media posts during this time about Cleo being missing. She said, my sweet girl, come home to me. She wrote on a picture of Cleo holding an ice cream cone. And she said, if anyone sees anything at all, please call, please, please call 131-444. Ellie also told the media that Cleo was not the sort of child to wander off on her own and didn't even leave her side when they walked around shops. She said, She's lazy when it comes to walking. She won't ride her bike very far. All she wants to do is go in the bottom of our pram. She would never leave us. She would never leave the tent. When she left, she was wearing a jumpsuit. She can't go to the toilet without my help unzipping it. She would come and get me just like she did for water. I think I'm at the time too, like around the time that she said this, someone also messaged our Instagram page and they had a kind of alleged story that they knew someone who was at the campsite at the time that Cleo went missing and basically they kind of reiterated that that the parents said she was lazy she wouldn't go anywhere she wouldn't you know and they actually used the word lazy as well so maybe yeah. they said like she would just prefer to stay and play her ipad or something along those lines so it was yeah. kind of the same type of 
messages makes you feel like it must be true because it's kind of a weird thing to say Mm. whereas what are the chances of the same exact thing being said twice yeah and it's not like you know if she would you know some kids are runners where they'll run yeah first (laughs) chance it doesn't sound like she was like that yeah I'm not either so (laughs) can't all be runners Cleo it's fine As part of their investigation, police officers sifted through 50 cubic meters of rubbish that they collected from roadside bins. The rubbish was packed into two trucks and transported to Perth, where four forensic officers and 20 recruits spent two days sorting through hundreds of bags in an effort to find any items that may assist in the investigation. What a job. I know. And I know they also collected the rubbish from like thousands of kilometers. Like it wasn't just the rubbish from the campsite and that surrounding area. They, you know, it was from everywhere. I'm guessing they're thinking the person might have dumped it as they were driving. Yeah. Yeah. Or dumped, you know, clothing or a sleeping bag or whatever. But it was like they, it was a really, really wide um, search and investigation for that part. Mm -hmm. Seems like a big effort, Mm. but paid off. So. Acting Police Commissioner Cole Blanche spoke to ABC Australia on November 2nd and said, We're looking for disturbances in sand. We used satellite technology. We used aircraft to take high-definition photos. We really need to make a good quality mapping of that area to make sure that we cover every inch. Blanche said the initial search focused on looking for Cleo if she had potentially wandered off. Now we're in a stage where we need to forensically go over that ground inch by inch to see what disturbances might be in the nearby areas for any sort of evidence that might give an inkling as to what happened. Sounds like they were maybe looking for a grave or, you know, something that had been dug and... Or even like tire tracks that yeah, were weird yeah, true, actually. Yeah. footprints, things like that too. Because I feel like maybe they're trying to compare photos from before and after yeah maybe Uh, he also spoke more about the circumstances of cleo's disappearance said i think it's more than likely an opportunistic type event we know they got there on friday night it was getting dark and there would have been limited opportunity for people to observe cleo at the time there's 100 people on the task force searching for cleo 50 locally and 50 in perth the working theory is that she was still in Western Australia, because it was a high-risk proposition that someone would try to take her out of the state. Yeah, especially now, like I know all the Aussies who are listening, they'll know that Western Australia <clears throat> is now essentially a fortress. They've said yesterday that they're not going to reopen to anyone until they reach, I don't know, 90% COVID vaccination rates, which won't be till next year. So they are essentially cut off from the rest of the country even. Um, you know, you have to hotel quarantine if you're coming from certain states and different things like that. So it would be a super, it's not just like an as easy as it usually is crossing the border and driving in and out. It would be a big yeah. thing. Blessing in disguise, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it was kind of created their own their own jail because you can't really, you definitely can't come back easily. So Yeah. Western Australia police also begged the public to stop trolling Cleo's family during the investigation. This was probably one of the first times in recent history that I could think of where police were literally like, leave the family alone, you psychopaths. Yeah. Can you think yeah. of any others? Um, I, I I feel like a little bit in the William Terrell case, definitely not as much because I know that, well, obviously we don't know what happened to William. So a lot of people do still suspect his family, but, yeah. you know, nothing the police have ever said has kind of indicated that. And that was the same here. They were, I feel like the police in this case maybe brought a little bit of this on themselves because they never, ever said that Cleo's, well, they did eventually, but at the start they never said that Cleo's family weren't suspects they were basically like we haven't ruled anything out um yeah i was thinking about that today and i was like why wouldn't they have just done that but then i'm like maybe they didn't they wanted to give false confidence to the person yeah and i guess also 
maybe they just weren't a hundred percent sure. Like, yeah, more towards the end when just before Cleo was found, they have they did come out and say that Jake and Ellie had been nothing but cooperative, and you know they weren't. And but they never even said they weren't a suspect. They said things like they weren't considered suspect. So it was just yeah. kind of the terminology they used was a little bit. I don't know. It didn't. It definitely didn't help the trolling anyway. No, it just makes me think it must have been some sort of strategy to make the actual abductor feel like they're not on their trail because automatically if they're like, well, the parents aren't suspects and obviously they're looking at an abductor. Yeah. That's the and only I know- thing I could think of as to why they wouldn't have said it besides not knowing early on. It kind of went um, the other way too that people thought that they were saying those things about the parents like, oh, no, they, you know, they, they're not considered suspects. They've been cooperative to try and get them to kind of put their guard down a little bit so there was just a lot of you know this is why all the trolling was happening at the time yeah there's a lot of mess but we'll we'll talk more about the trolling situation towards the end so yeah officer said there was nothing to suggest the account given by her parents was anything but accurate and truthful the western australian premier even chimed in about the trolling he said I just don't get why all these people get all this courage when they get a keyboard and say the most horrible and shocking things that they would never say otherwise. So I just urge them to stop. It's like, welcome to the internet, dude. <laughs> it's like a big old Jimmy doesn't really understand. This is like, I don't get what's like. going on. <laughs> why? Why is anyone doing this? Oh. Like, listen, I get bullied online every day, sir. I urge people to go back to a sense of decency and civility towards one another, particularly people who are suffering, he said. So there was a GoFundMe raising donations for the search for Cleo. It raised over $87,000. The message on the GoFundMe, it said, Hi guys, as most of you are aware, a well-respected family of our community has had a very traumatic experience with the disappearance of their eldest child this morning, Cleo. The land, sea, and air search has been extensive with everybody involved putting in an amazing effort to help locate Cleo. From Sea Rescue to SES and two private local companies doing the air side of the search, Coral Coast Helicopter Services and Double R Helicopters, the effort these two small local companies put into this search is amazing. With Justin canceling a paid tour and bringing his larger helicopter up for a full-scale search involving three people in the chopper for the whole day. Richard from Double R also made an amazing effort to get up here and help. If we could all skip our coffees tomorrow or their night out and donate to this cause to help support these small local businesses for their efforts into this search and to help support the family to keep the search going and bring Cleo home. Thank you. So the GoFundMe wasn't actually like run by Cleo's parents. It was run by, I'm guessing, a family friend. But they did endorse it and post it. So I know sometimes people side-eye GoFundMes because there are situations where it's all just a big GoFundMe scam. So, I mean, they weren't running it, but clearly they approved it. You're kind of weird about the GoFundMe, like, you know, and I don't want anyone to come at me and say, how dare you? But from even reading that message, they started that the day that Cleo went missing when it was obvious from the start that the police were giving every single resource they had, like that million-dollar reward. There was absolutely no lack of resources in this case, especially especially on day one. Like, you know, the first few days is when it was nonstop. And, I like, when I I also wondered when I saw the GoFundMe why it was needed. but I don't know. I guess maybe they were worried. But it's like it still doesn't make sense to me because they said, you know, today the clear went missing this morning. So 
I don't know. Yeah. It seems very soon. I guess maybe people just really wanted to help and they had no idea what else they could do. And I don't know. I guess there's a lot of reasons. But it was, I, I feel the GoFundMe was a bit weird. Yeah. Maybe just early on, a lot of people, but it's weird because it was so quick. But I was going to say, maybe a lot of people were just like, how can we help? How can we donate? Like you were saying. And then they're like, okay, let's like make this so people can help and to give back to the companies that help. Yeah. But like, how many people would have been asking on day one? Yeah, exactly. Like maybe if she like if she had been missing still a month later, you might be like, oh, well, maybe we can try this, you know, get these drones or helicopters or whatever. But it was yeah. day one. So it just was a bit like I, I kind of understand the weirdness, like the weird feeling about this GoFundMe. I was like, mm, this is a bit Well, strange. just kind of added fuel to the fire yeah. again of people were already suspicious of the parents. Yeah. They were already suspicious because of the, the 1.30 a.m. incident and just the whole thing. Thing they were side-eyeing the parents already so at this point it's kind of like people are looking for more reasons to be suspicious of the parents to be like see like why would they be doing this it's definitely yeah. them yeah so just hopefully the money went to the companies that helped <laughs> fingers crossed oh yeah i don't know what they'll yeah do with the money now she's found maybe they'll refund it anyway so it was taken down in early november at the request of cleo's parents they said we're assuming it's because they were probably being trolled about it and considering that the government was offering up so many resources, they may they just realized they kind of didn't need it. It's causing it more was hassle than down. it was worth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, it was it's still up as far as I know, but they turned off donations, so you can't donate anymore. Right. Yeah. So for weeks after Clear disappeared, there were hundreds of police scouring for possible evidence all over the area. So the search never stopped, but things weren't looking good, obviously, at this point. By early November, Cleo had been missing for more than two weeks with basically zero sign of her as far as we knew. So like we said, it's super rare for missing children to be found alive after so long when they're taken by someone who isn't a relative, which is what police were kind of leaning towards this point, even though the public thought differently. An associate professor of criminology named Xanthi Mallet commented on the case and said, The likelihood of her being recovered alive was very low and getting lower as the days passed. For a child to be taken and found well after nearly 19 days, I don't think I've ever seen this kind of outcome. Me neither. Well, we have Jamie Clark. I know. She, but she wasn't really a child. But, uh, you know, well, she was, but she wasn't as young as Cleo. Well, Jamie Clark is our case in America. You guys have your own now. <laughs> she was missing for months, wasn't she, Jamie Clark? Or... I'll talk about it later when it's relevant, but I do keep thinking of her because that was another one where they were like, was she sexually assaulted or wasn't she? But we never really got any real answers because she was a minor and because the guy was charged with murder already, so they didn't really need to charge him with sexual assault. Yeah. But we just like never really found out any other info on that. There's definitely like the other one is that AJ kid who went missing not long ago in New South Wales, but he was only missing for three or four days. So yeah, like 19 days is a long time. Like, I really yeah. felt, I, I 100% thought it wasn't looking good for Cleo. Like, people would message us every day and say, what, what do you think? What do you think's happened? And I always look, I really, really don't know. I thought, I did have to say at the start, I thought maybe the parents were covering something up or maybe, you know, it was like a drug debt that Cleo had been taken as, you know, kind of retaliation for because there was just too many things that didn't add up. Like, how did they not hear her? But then mm-hmm. as the time went on, I was like, maybe it's, maybe it really is a stranger abduction because yeah, where is she? Like, you know, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I thought it definitely wasn't going to be a good outcome though. No, me neither. I think I told you the, either the morning or the day before she was found, someone messaged on Instagram and I was talking about it with them and I was like, 
I'll be really shocked if they find her alive at this point. Yeah. And then, like, I, and then they did. <laughs> usually, like, sometimes I'm not that, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's. But, yeah, when when it all started happening, I could not believe it. It was crazy. I know. Even just, I couldn't believe it at the time. And then going through all the stuff for the podcast, I was still just like, I can't fucking believe this still. <laughs> and just even the story even gets wilder and wilder. Like, this is, you know, not, it's kind of similar to Jamie Claw. She just could not really make any of this up. It's crazy. Like, it already took a turn, but it takes a fucking turn. <laughs> you know, they always say the truth really is stranger than fiction, which is absolutely the case in this one. Yeah, definitely. We're at now Wednesday, November 3, so 18 or 19 days after Cleo went missing. I was just, you know, minding my own business, getting the kids ready for school. It was usual midweek. Wednesday is my busiest day, as usual. So, my, But my phone, it was about 8 a.m., my phone started blowing up and they were saying, Cleo, Cleo's been found alive. Can you believe it? So it all kind of came out very quickly. I think, you know, some of the news stations just were like, Cleo's been found alive, no further information. And, it, you know, yeah. as the morning progressed, it kind of, they started l- releasing little bits here and there of information. We found out that police had entered a home in Carnarvon, which was literally minutes away from where Cleo lived at around 1am local time. They found Cleo alone in a locked up house. And then I've seen some reports since that say she was awake and she was playing with some toys, which we'll get into. Detective Cameron Blaine is seen on the video that's gone kind of viral now. It's of Cleo being rescued. He's spoken to the media and he said, I asked what her name was. One of the guys jumped up in front of me and picked her up and I just wanted to be absolutely sure. I wanted to be sure it was her. I said, what is your name? She didn't answer. I asked her three times and then she looked at me and said, my name is Cleo. And that was it. She has like the cutest little baby voice. And so clear as well. Like she's like, my name is, like it's, we've got the audio which we'll play now. So it's really, really sweet. One of the detectives is calling her Bubby. Like he's like, are you all right, Bubby? Are you all right? And they just, oh, it's so, it's amazing that they had this footage. Yeah, brought a tear to my eye. I got it. I got it. Hey, Bobby. Just bring the camera in. Come here. Come here. I got you, Bobby. What's your name? You're alright. What's your name? What's your name, sweetheart? Um, My name is Cleo. Your name is Cleo. Hello, Cleo. can add this in if you want but like a few people are like well the guy who asked her name was really harsh but I actually think he was probably in a bit of shock like he's like what's your name what's your name like he was kind of grilling yeah. her a little bit but I think he was probably just like is this really happening is this really Cleo yeah like your adrenaline's running yeah you know I just wanted to be absolutely sure that um you know it certainly looked like Cleo um I wanted to be absolutely sure it was her so I said what's your name and she didn't answer and I said what's your name um she didn't answer again so I asked for third time and then she looked at, and looked at me and she said, my name's Cleo. But um, I thought Sorry. it was so cute also how she, instead of just being like Cleo, how she's like, my name is Cleo. <laughs> it was so cute, yeah. My name is Cleo. Anyway, police held a press ca- conference later on that day. They told us, you know, the, the Cameron Blaine has spoke again about how he was in shock and he was elated. He said, we always hoped for that outcome, but we weren't prepared for it. It was absolutely fantastic. To see her sitting there in the way that she was, it was incredible. I turned around and walked out of the house. Not long after that, we got into the car. We called Cleo's parents and said, we've got someone here that wants to speak to you. It was a wonderful feeling. So I think from what I've read is that it all happened so quickly. They didn't even have time to tell Cleo's parents that this was all happening. 
So they would have got the call at 1am or whatever time, you know, 2am, just to, you know, which I'm sure they probably wouldn't have been expecting either. Like you would have to be thinking the worst after all this time. They filmed them telling the parents, even though it's like kind of exploitative. I know. Like it'd be so happy. They haven't released it, but maybe one day they will if they have it. Yeah. So all we knew kind of at the time was that a 36-year-old man was, quote, assisting police with their inquiries. There were tons of online rumours going around about the identity of the man. Like people online were saying, I know him, he lives in this street, and they were throwing around a name, which did turn out to be right. But somehow Channel 7 um, released a name the name and photos of the wrong person. So basically there's two men with a similar name in a similar area and they they took a chance and got the wrong one. So they've retracted all their statements. They issued an apology. They even sent us a copy of it on our Instagram because we tagged them and said that we didn't think it was the right guy. They said, earlier on Wednesday, Seven News wrongly showed images of a man that were incorrectly labelled as the person under arrest over the disappearance of Cleo Smith. These were promptly removed, but Seven News apologises for the error. So I know there's talk of that, which we'll go into too, that there's going to be more to come from that mistake. Yeah, if mm. I was handed a lawsuit on a platter, I would absolutely <laughs> take it. The man, the real man, I guess, was pictured in an ambulance being taken to hospital on the Wednesday. There were some varying reports, and there still are, as to what his injuries were. Some outlets say that he was beaten by other inmates, while others say that he injured himself by banging his head on the cell wall in jail. Police yeah. said during a press conference on Wednesday that they hoped charges would be laid that day, but nothing came from it. We were waiting, waiting, but nothing happened. So Thursday the next day, which was November 4, the man was taken to hospital again. Western Australia Deputy Police Commissioner Cole Blanche Asked was asked about his injuries, but he said that there was no serious injuries. We've had to take him off to hospital again that this morning. That's that's so that's twice. He told Sydney radio station Two GB. He said it was important that before an interview takes place, police assure a person is of sound mind, healthy, fed, and has had sufficient rest. He said so. We've got to make all the right accommodations for this person so we can make the right decisions going forward today. He said also during that interview that they expected to charge a man in his 30s with kidnapping, which was Thursday. If there are any other charges, they may take some time, he said. A lot will depend on what evidence, if any, they are able to extract from the home behind me where Cleo was allegedly held captive. There is also a possibility that specialist officers will be having a chat with Cleo today, possibly in the coming days, and a lot will depend on what she tells the officers. But before we get into that, a quick word from our sponsor, Elfster. Sounds crazy, but Christmas is sneaking up on us already, and it's time to start holiday shopping. But don't worry, we're here to tell you about Elfster, which will make your life much easier. Elfster's the number one Secret Santa app in the world. It's totally free and makes gift giving so much easier. All you need to do is enter a date and your budget, and Elfster will take care of everything else. They even draw the names for you. It's a really good idea. We've even used this app before to do virtual gift exchanges with our internet friends that live all over the country. It's a huge time saver. It doesn't matter where your friends or family are, Elfster brings everything together for you. You can also use Elfster to make wish lists, almost like personal Christmas gift registries. You can add gifts directly from your favorite brands, including Amazon, Etsy, Fanatics, Nordstrom, Sephora, and Zappos. You could share the wish list among your family and friends, and everyone will get the gift they really want this year. More than 17 million people trust Elfster. It's the easiest way to shop from curated gift guides this Christmas. Download the Elfster app today or go to elfster.com to participate. Happy holidays! 
So at the time too, there was photos of Cleo in the hospital, which are on the blog. She's got a little icy pole. She's smiling and waving to the camera. So she looked well, like, you know, as well as you can tell from a photo, she was seemed happy. She was smiling. She looked clean and, you know, healthy and all that. So cute photo of a cute kid. Mm-hmm. And like, she does jet, like everyone has commented. She looks good. Like she didn't look skinny. She didn't look mistreated. And obviously you, can, you don't know what has happened to her. We don't know what's physically gone on with her, but there was no bruises yeah. that you could see. There was on the surface, she looks fine. Like, yeah, I'm sure, you know, and I know that she, she will have a lot of things to work through after this, but physically from that photo, she looked fine. So later on the Thursday, the man in custody was finally identified and charged. His name was released as Terence Darrell Kelly, and he's a 36-year-old man from Carnarvon. After they released the identity of the real person, the other Terence Kelly, his name is spelled a little bit differently, and he also goes by the last name of Flowers, just depending on where you look, I guess. Mm. He said he spoke to SBS News and he said, I got really upset yesterday. It put me in a state where I had to come to the hospital. They gave me drugs just to calm me down. What they did was go straight on Facebook. The first person they seen got through my photos and uploaded on social media and spread it around not just in Australia. This is worldwide. So he said that he's looking into maybe a lawsuit against Channel 7. I was trying to think of what that would feel like because part of me is like, oh, they said it was like a mistake, whatever. But then I'm like, could you imagine? This also happened with the Sandy Hook shooting at first here. They misreported that it was Adam Lance's brother. And then the brother had to start posting on his Facebook. He was like, it's not me. It's not me. But like, could you imagine your face being all over the news saying you abducted a child or shot up a school and you didn't? Yeah. And this is like everyone knows, like this is the, one of the, the biggest case in recent times here. And I know it's, yeah, absolutely around the world too. So, But honestly, I, I already forgot what that guy even looked like. So if that brings yeah. any relief to him, <laughs> I'm happy to say it. The other thing too is that both, so the real Terrence and I guess the mistaken Terrence, are both Indigenous, they're Aboriginal men. So I know that the f- fake Terence has been threatened and, like, they've sp- threatened him with spearing. Like, a lot of, there'll be a lot of, um, like, vigilantes, you know, vigilante justice kind of out there. He, that's what had happened to him. He was threatened with that when people thought yeah. it was him. He's got his own, I think he's got a three-month or a six-month-old baby of his own. Like, it's a, a sad thing to have happened for him. Yeah, that's super scary, actually. Mm. Like, you must, for a while, have to feel like you're always looking over your shoulder. Because what if someone saw the original news? It was like, hey, I know that guy, but then never saw the apology. Even Um, when we made our Facebook page post about the real guy, everyone's like, this isn't him. This is the wrong one. I'm like, it's not. This is 100%. Like, no, this is the right one. (laughs) Finally, it's the right one. And, you know, everyone is reporting it, but people are still confused now. Like, there's always going to be that confusion about which one is the right one. Yeah, well, I hope that everyone leaves him alone and that he gets a lot of money out of this. But this all comes back to the theme that we'll talk about later. uh, People need to stop being psychopaths on the internet Yeah, or in real life. Yeah. Like, relax. We'll all find out eventually anyway. Like, I I don't know what the Channel 7 fact-checking process was. Because when we were looking, we knew knew the name or the alleged name anyway, and we did find both the Terrences before it was released. But how how are you to know which one it is? That's why you, I don't know what their fact-checking process was. And there's a lot of times, not to sound like a humble brag, where we'll 
have something figured out, we're pretty sure. But like, you don't want to post it and be wrong and then have no. us get sued or something because no. we're not a massive media news station that can afford a lawsuit and lawyers. Yeah. So there's a lot of times where we'll hear stuff or try to kind of like figure out stuff ourselves, but we'll still sit on it and wait because of that fear. Yeah, exactly. All right. So the real Terence faced court quickly on Thursday. He was being charged with two offenses. One is being forcibly taking a child under 16, commonly referred to as child stealing. The other charge has not made has not been made public, which I don't know if I've ever, ever, ever heard that before. Like usually they're like, these are the charges. I don't know how they can uh, maybe, I don't know. I'm hoping it's not so horrendous that they haven't released it because she's a minor or. That's what I was wondering. Mm. Um because like I was saying before, I guess it's relevant to say here with Jamie Kloss, everyone was wondering if she was sexually assaulted, what happened to her. But since she was a minor, they weren't going to say. But since the guy was alive, we're like, oh, are they going to charge him with sexual assault or rape or anything like that? But since he was already being charged for two murders and an abduction and whatever else he was charged with, that charge wouldn't have really affected anything anyway, so they decided to kind of protect her privacy and yeah. not make that news, which I respect, even though I'm nosy. The only thing that makes me think maybe it's not that is because they've said if there are more, if there will be more charges, they're going to take time and, you know, I yeah, don't even know. Which- like they, and I know that they've told Cleo's parents to not speak to her about the events because they don't want to kind of mess it up like they need her cleo to be questioned properly and fully before any of that can yeah happen. and they did say they were going to have like specialized yeah investigators speak with her so it could also just be like you just said it's going to take a while to actually be able to figure that out without further traumatizing her to yeah. speak about what happened Remarkable moment. Now the focus of the story is turning to the man accused of abducting little Cleo, who is also likely to be interviewed by police. To shed some light on the case, we're joined by forensic psychologist Dr Celine Van Gold from the University of Sydney. Good morning to you, doctor. Thank you for your time. This whole ordeal is likely to have a huge impact on Cleo. It would be distressing as an adult, let alone a child. How delicate will officers need to be when speaking with her? They need to be very delicate, of course, but officers are specifically trained. They use internationally recognized protocols to interview children and they go in a special way about it. So they ask open-ended questions and build a lot of rapport before they start talking to her. Um, So they'll be very good in getting an accurate statement from her. Doctor, her parents have uh, reportedly been told not to ask Cleo about anything that happened. Talk us through that, please. Now... The police officers, of course, want to get her account, what Cleo remembered herself. And when parents will talk to her, even unintentionally, they might provide her with some details that, while she might have experienced it, might not remember it and might not be her own words. Kids are very sensitive also to pick up on emotions that the parents might express in their questions and might incorporate that into their memories. So it's really important that the police gets her own account, so Cleo's own account, and to be able to do that, she shouldn't be asked questions that can actually change that account, and it should be her own words. The other charge still we don't know yet. Hopefully we'll learn what it is, but he's been charged with two different things. He didn't apply for bail at the hearing and he wasn't yet required to enter a plea. Terence was barefoot and I think they said he was wearing a T-shirt when he appeared in the court and he was pissed off that the reporters were there. At one point he looked over and swore and said, why are they here? And another reporter said that Terence screamed at him and said, what the fuck are the media doing here? And then he yelled, I'm coming for you. 
So he was obviously very angry about it. Yeah, I saw in a video today that the reporter said he was making gun Mm, shooting mm, gestures at mm. them. So he seems a bit unhinged. Yeah, not surprising really. But um, Terence was represented by a Geraldton Aboriginal legal service lawyer and he's due to appear in court again on December 6th. So that's a month from today in Australia. Reports have also emerged that Terence wasn't home at the time that Cleo was rescued. So I'm not entirely sure where he was, but like this is a quote from an article. It says, Minutes before Cleo was saved, her now alleged abductor and the man who had been living at the home she was found in, Terence Darrell Kelly, was pulled over in Carnarvon by police and arrested. So he was in his car and pulled over, you know, in the car. So I would like to know where he was going or what he was doing at 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, Who knows? He's clearly a psychopath. I wonder if they knew he wasn't home or not. Yeah, I don't know. I, well, yeah, they heard they had. They said they broke in the door, so I don't know. Yeah. Since his initial arrest, they've moved Terence to a maximum security prison. So there were some sh- photos of him that were released yesterday. He's barefoot still. He's like all shackled, wearing shorts and a long sleeve shirt, being led to a plane. I think they've flown him to Perth, if I if I have that right. But anyway, he's gone to a maximum security prison. I'm assuming probably for his own safety as well. And we also forgot to mention we've had a million messages telling us that he looks like michael jackson it, yeah he's he's we will get into it in a minute but he's a big fan of photoshop or filters and editing so there is a lot of resemblance in his older photos not so much now but in his older yeah. photos michael jackson he just i don't know if his nose actually looks like michael jackson's or if he filters it that way but that's really why yeah he did in that photo that's now making the rounds which we'll have on the blog too he definitely did have a resemblance to michael jackson yeah. Like the, the ringletty curls he had and, you know, anyway, go and check it out. I feel like that was the look he was going for, yeah. for sure. So even before the real Terence's identity was confirmed, there were many online rumours, which we were sent them all. <laughs> Terence had many social media accounts under all fake and different names. One of our members counted at least 30 accounts. Some were for him, while others were for members of his family, in quotes. Are they all gone now? Um, I haven't actually looked. I, just, I think some of the them Bratz, are. The Bratz one's gone. I was just yeah, Yeah. I'm glad we got the screenshots. I know. But so we are 99.9% sure that none of the people in these accounts actually existed. Terrence obviously did, but there was, I'm pretty sure none of the others were. Yeah. Like he made fake family members is what yeah. you were saying. So basically he'd created the perfect life for himself online. He had a wife called Elle, which is interesting. Ellie versus Elle. And a bunch of daughters. Um, so I've got all these screenshots. So a few people have come forward and said that they that he has actually stolen their photos. So he's like, this is a big story. He's you know generated over the years. Like October eight, two thousand and eighteen. Some of these profiles were made. So this has been going on for years. Yeah, there was one of his daughters was, t- and he seems to use the last name Deluca a lot. Like his Bratz account was Bratz Deluca, which we're getting we're getting ahead of ourselves with Bratz, but. One of his yeah. name was Bratz DeLuca. The other one is Chiara DeLuca, Tenille DeLuca. They're his daughters. They're, and he has, seems to have an obsession with being Italian as well. Like a lot of his things are partly Italian. Um, yeah. Like before we knew he was lying about a lot of this stuff, I was looking at his profiles and I was like, wow, he has five kids, but he doesn't. No. It's like the most elaborate catfish episode where yes. you see the people on catfish where they make like fake friends of them as a catfish to like defend that they are a real person this guy made up a whole fake family and posted about them and was like my daughter my this but 
those pictures of those kids and teens were stolen from other people. Like those are other people's kids. And even we've got screenshots, thankfully, of where he's basically talked to himself via the other fake accounts, which so I'll just go through a few of them. So there's Tenille DeLuca, who's apparently a daughter. Her bio says, daddy's my world because I'm a daddy's girl. There's Kiara, who said she's got some emojis and it says Ollie, whoever that is. He posted a photo of a girl in December 2020. It says, my daughter, daddy's girl, my princess. There's also like a theme here, clearly. Yeah, yeah, a lot of daddy's girl. A lot of emojis, hashtags. There's, a, there's another daughter called Nat- Natalia DeLuca. She, that, this profile was made in 2011. So this gives you an idea on you know, how long this has been going on for. Her profile yeah. says, my parents, L Hart and Terrence with a blue heart. So, That's so creepy if the L was in reference to yeah, um, Cleo's mom. Yeah. Because that's from 2011. Oh, I guess he could have updated it. Yeah, I don't know when he updated no, that profile, like, but it's a lot. And like, there's an exchange here where he talks to himself. So someone, someone who is him, Maria DeLuca writes, "You're trying, you're trying to copy your dad, hiding half your face." And then Natalia writes, "No way, lol, he he, maybe." And Terence comments and writes, "Copycat." <laughs> and then Maria comments again and says, "Tez, she's your baby. She can copy you." Like, so he's just talking to himself on all these different profiles. That was seven years ago as well. So, like, this has been going on for a long, 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 long time. That was, like, before Facebook really made it easy to log in and out mm, of accounts, too. Mm. So, could you imagine logging in? And I, I'm so lazy <laughs> that I'm, like, I would never, not that I would do it to begin with, but this would for sure deter me from ever doing it. The thought of having to log in and out of all these accounts to talk to myself. Like, <laughs> He's very dedicated to the cause. Clearly. So obviously, along with his obsession for daughters, daddy's girl, princesses and all that, he had an obsession with Bratz dolls. So for anyone who doesn't know what a Bratz doll is, it's an American product line of fashion dolls and merchandise. They were launched, I think, in May 2001. There's four original 10-inch dolls and their names are Yasmin, Jade, Sasha and interestingly, Chloe, but it's C-L-O-E, which is very close to C-L-E-O, Cleo. I used to play with Bratz dolls, so (laughs) my favorite was Yasmin, I think. (laughs) So these dolls are kind of, I think sometimes they've been said to be a bit inappropriate, like they wear short outfits, have boobs. They're very, um, like, sexualized in a way. They have big lips. They wear kind of slutty outfits. Barbie on steroids. (laughs) Yeah. They have really big feet and shoes, high heels. Yeah. But as a kid, you're just like, wow, they're so cute and pretty. Yeah, and they got they, like, yeah, I can. Kids absolutely love them, but obviously, some adults love them too. Yeah. So, Terence had tons and tons of his social media accounts dedicated to the Bratz dolls. As we said before, his one of his accounts was the name Bratz Deluca. He posted a photo of himself looking very Michael Jackson-ish, um, and the caption is, "I love my dolls." And another one in March 2020, always a brat, Mama's little brat. And then there's Kiara, his fake daughter, in comments speaking. Italian. <laughs> I don't know. That's so weird. And then Bratz DeLuca again posted with it like a, an emoji of a Bratz doll in December last year saying Bratz life. And then Natalia DeLuca commented underneath saying daddy with heart eye emojis. It's weird. Like if that really was your daughter, you're not doing a good job of not making it weird. <laughs> just the whole thing. Like you just cannot make this up. So even interestingly, on January 27th, so this year, he has written as Bratz DeLuca. He said, 
I still have that talk about this with my son, 16, my eldest girls, 17, 19, and 21, plus my 11-year-old who is restricted to TikTok about these dangers about online safety. I usually remind them of Carly's stories. Carly's story, Carly Ryan. So Carly Ryan was someone who met a catfish online. It was a fair while ago now and she was murdered. So you can look into that one if you want. But he's speaking about Carly's story. Also, one of my girls have had confrontations with boys and men asking for her phone number and photos on Instagram. Once before, we did report it and gave my daughter's phone to police to assist them because as an impact as a parent, it gives you goosebumps. And very real, knowing predatory people can strike behind the screen and keyboard. I also feel the need to protect my kids more and their friends too. Also, other children around us. Please support and like the Carly Ryan Foundation. Like, this is creepy. It's just very messed up. Also, that whole thing was basically two sentences. Like, <laughs> I know, that's no why punctuation. I had to kind of try and punctuate it a little bit as I went along. <laughs> yeah, it is a big wall of text. But as you said a billion times, he's made up this whole thing. Yeah. All the fake children, the fake police this whole scenario and especially it's with a picture that says it's like a text picture it says one in three teenagers say they have seen non-consensually shared nudes so just adding that to this whole thing makes it really creepy so on some of his brat's accounts he had posted photos which we thankfully have the screenshots but basically his house or at least some of the rooms in it were a shrine to brats like in this one photo there's five or six um, shelving units of, you know, six or seven shelves each just filled with dolls. They're all in their packages, like mint condition. Um, There's some Little Mermaid, Disney Like this is a full-on collection. It's not just one or two dolls. This is, you know, one of those, when you see those shows about people who have crazy collections, this is what that is. He um, also posted on, he had another Facebook account called called Terrence Tezkels. He wrote, dolls are supposed to be a children's toy. Even the adult-like sex dolls are creepy enough. These ones, the child ones, are more disturbing. Really good work, ABF, our frontliners, to keep these pervs off our street. It's really on his high horse. <laughs> There's another photo too, and it's of him basically just posting a bunch of selfies, and he wrote something like, I like to go out in public and do my doll's hair and take selfies. He's yeah, He's got a Bratz T-shirt on in one photo, holding two dolls. This is a real proper obsession collection of dolls i just counted well tried to count all the dolls in that picture that we were just talking about where it's like five six seven bookshelves worth of dolls yeah so it's at least at least 50 dolls in their boxes in that photo in that one photo so yeah it's crazy um because of these there are these photos online which i didn't even think to do and i don't know i'm kicking myself now But people have been kind of analysing what they can see in the photos. So I know. I can't believe we didn't think to do this. Like, <laughs> who are we? There's one photo of what kind of looks like a bed or a, you know, a bed frame. And there's some creepy white binding. Like, it's like fabric that's been wound around. It, it looks like, like a, a wrist brace. Yeah, yeah. It looks like, like if something. if you had tendonitis or something. But it's, but it's like attached around. to the headboard. Yeah. And then on the doll shelves, there's also a spool, like a big, you know, like a big spool of kind of cord and wire. You just like, that's a random thing to have there. Yeah. There's um, a photo with all the shelving and there's one of the bookshelves is blocking a door. So people are like, what is that? What's going on? Like that could be just a closet or something that he wanted to block off, but there is a door that's also, been blocked by the shelf. And you can also see more of the bed in that photo. Of course, Brat's bedding. Yeah, yes. It's like a single bed with purple, little pink brats, you know, quilt and all that on it. 
And then there's there's another one where people have circled and said they think they see a knife. It looks more to me probably like a pizza cutter or something like that, but just a random thing to have on your bookshelf. I definitely thought it was a pizza cutter. Yeah. When I look at it now, again, it definitely, it's round. Like it looks like it's a round blade, but whoever knows. Yeah, hard to say what it is. Who knows? One of Terence's neighbours, Henry Dodd, has said that he saw him driving around with a bunch of dolls in his car about a week before he was arrested. He spoke to the Daily Mail and he said there were around 10 or 12 dolls and they looked like he had picked them up somewhere after they were delivered. You could see them in their boxes like he'd ordered them online. They were all piled in the back of his car. I thought it was weird, but I didn't know anything about him collecting dolls or anything. I didn't know he had a whole room full of them in his house. Another neighbour has spoken to the media and said that he saw Terence buying nappies, which are diapers, at the local supermarket. So people have been like, Cleo's four. She might not have needed nappies, but she might have. We don't know if she was, you know, fully toilet trained or night toilet trained or whatever, or maybe he just assumed that she needed nappies. So, Or because clearly he would go out and lock her in a room as well. Mm. Yeah, yeah, true. So she didn't have any But also, he could have been buying them for his dolls like a weirdo. (laughs) another twist yeah so i know people there was a bit of kind of misinformation too about if that person who had the information about the nappies or diapers will get the million dollar reward but police have said that essentially no one will because no one like that tip was never called in that person just spoke to the media about it yeah they spoke about like in hindsight i guess like when they saw it they were just like oh it's kind of weird yeah someone who doesn't have any kids is out like i wouldn't necessarily I don't know, think that's weird if I saw someone I knew without kids. Well, that's what I mean, it's like one of those things where in hindsight, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. But like, yeah. if I saw my random neighbor who doesn't have kids carrying diapers, I would just assume he was buying them for someone. Yeah. yeah. Or like, it's a baby shower. Like, I don't know. Your first thought isn't he must have a child locked in a room of brats. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to think that straight off. <laughs> I, it's crazy. So, yeah, so police have come out and said that they don't think anyone will be eligible to claim the reward. I know some people are still kind of suggesting that maybe Cleo's parents have set this up in an attempt to get the million dollars, but there's another. there was another case where that did happen. I believe the child's name was Shannon Matthews and her mother kind of orchestrated it to get the reward money, but police have said in this case that they think it's unlikely that anyone will be able to claim it based on their scammy conditions <laughs> yeah just the way they wanted it <laughs> um so one of these fake accounts that we've also found on instagram actually followed cleo's parents ellie and jake so like we've got a screenshot of it he follows deluca bratz which was his other instagram account plus jake and ellie Ellie follows three total people so and they're both the parents accounts were public hers was a I know, right? Hers definitely was. I haven't actually looked at his again. He didn't, I don't think he posted much on there anyway, but. Yeah, she's so hers was public, so anyone could follow her. Yeah. She probably wouldn't have even noticed. She's since made her profile private, smartly, but that's how he snuck in there. Yeah. At the time that we're recording this, police are still adamant that Terrence is not known to Cleo's family, but I wonder if it's kind of the reverse and he knew them. He, I feel like he must have known them. If he, if he knew them online, there is the L versus Ellie thing a coincidence, but I wonder we if he- We followed them, so he clearly- Yeah. Even if like, he didn't I, know I know it's them. a smallish town, like, you know, where I live, it's kind of the same. Everyone knows everyone, you know, obviously not everyone, but most people- you know, know of other people. So you recognize people. Yeah. So I wonder though, if he followed them to the campsite, 
Like I feel like it's just too remote and too much of a coincidence for him to live very close to their family home, you know, all these things to happen and then for it to still have been totally random. Yeah, it's – I need to find a new word for strange or weird because (laughs) that's all I say. And when I'm editing the podcast, I'm like, can you stop saying that? But it's just super peculiar that he lives so close to them. I feel like it can't be a Then abducted her. How far away was the camp place from where they live? 75 kilometers. So it's like it's – Far, it's at least an hour like drive. Down the road. No, yeah, it's so. not like in the same suburb or anything. It's a drive that you'd go for the weekend, kind of. I wonder how he knew that they would be there. Like, did he yeah. follow them, or did they post about it online? Like, hey, we're going camping, and yeah. he saw it because he stalked them. Um, on Instagram, I meant to ask you about this before. I wasn't sure if it was just because I don't know as much about the case as you do. Someone messaged. Oh no, in the questions, someone said. Could he have known them because they went to the same schools, like the parents and him? I don't know. I don't know how it works. That could have been like I don't know what I don't know what the schooling setup is there, but it absolutely could have been. And like I know that Ellie, for example, is a beautician or you know works in a beauty salon. So I had to look at her business account just because I'm a creep, and they do post a lot. So who knows? Maybe he even found her that way, or um, you know. I wonder if that person knew that they did go to the same school or something. Mm. I'll have to find track it down and ask them. Yeah, I don't know. But um, like I feel like there's many ways he could have come across them in that town. So yeah, I, suspect, I just want to know what, though. Yeah, me too. I suspect this was absolutely 100% not a random abduction on his behalf. Like he knew she was going to be there and did it that way. Because otherwise why go to all that effort? I'm sure there would have been a closer child he could have taken if he just wanted a child. Yeah. There's no way it was completely spontaneous in the moment that he saw her and took her considering he lives near them and then they were out camping an hour away and he also happened to be there 3 a.m in the morning like you know definitely planned on his part is my suspicion me too so some of the other points that people have sent to us is that one of as we mentioned before one of the brat's dolls is called chloe c-l-o-e which is pretty close to cleo chloe has blonde hair um her She has blue eyes and kind of a light skin tone, which I'm not sure what color eyes Cleo has, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're blue because she has that same kind of blondie, you know, Mm -hmm. look. So she has an Iceland heritage and loves to change her look. So, like, I wonder if he knew, like, her name was Cleo and I don't know. And then he just, like, became obsessed, like she was a real-life brat. Yeah, yeah. Terrence is also rumored to have had a frozen obsession. I'm guessing this is kind of based on the other dolls that he had as well. And in the photo from the hospital, Cleo is wearing like a frozen Anna and Elsa singlet top, tank top. So, you know, obviously we don't know if this is what she was wearing when she was rescued. But in the video with the police, it looks like she doesn't have any sleeves on. So it could have been a tank top. But then again, you know, that maybe her mum bought that to the hospital. We don't know. But it just seems like maybe, you know, that people are discussing that maybe he just wanted a real life doll. He, She seemed clean, like her hair was very shiny and brushed and you know, it didn't look like she'd just been abandoned in a room for three weeks. It looked like someone had cared for her in terms of her, you know, bathing and cleaning and food and all that type of stuff. Yeah, as weird as it is, that would be the best case scenario, sadly. Yeah, I, you know, and I still do believe that may have been the case. Like, you know, obviously it may not, we don't know, but. I was thinking that until I saw or heard about how like unhinged he was. Yeah, me too. And then I'm like, wow, he really is just like a psychopath. 
that 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 made my heart sink a little bit when he was screaming, you know, fuck you and all yeah. that. Like, I thought maybe he might be a little bit quieter and sad and That's what I thought too. Yeah. But he doesn't seem to be that way. No. But, you know, I don't know. I we can only hope that that is what the outcome will eventually be. Yeah. Um the Western Australian Premier Mark McGowan flew to meet Cleo and her family. They're a very um humble family, uh very uh well adjusted considering uh, Cleo uh, was a delightful little girl who was uh, playing in the backyard and uh, gave her the two, <laughs> two teddies, which we named, and uh, it was a um, uh, lovely experience to meet her. Uh, she was, um, I thought, very well adjusted considering, and uh, the family were very um, appreciative of everything that had been done for them. So they're quite decent, uh, fundamentally decent, um, honest um, human beings, and so... They're really lovely people and it was great to meet them and acknowledge what they've been through. He also took two teddy bears for Cleo and her sister, which was a cute little thing. And I know he said that Cleo had new Barbie shoes on and he accidentally stood on them and broke them. <laughs> so now he <laughs> owes her a new pair of shoes. <laughs> That's funny. Um, <laughs> so Cleo's family also just last night issued a statement. It says, we would like to take this opportunity to thank all those involved in the rescue of our daughter, Cleo Smith. Particularly, we'd like to thank Western Australian Police, all those involved in the initial search, the Carnarvon community, local businesses, and of course, our family and friends. We are humbled by the love and support that we have received from not only our local community, but from the whole of Western Australia and across the country. We are so thankful that our little girl is back within our arms and our family is whole again. As we try to get on with our lives, we ask that you respect our privacy. Ellie Smith and Jake Glidden. So that's a outcome I you know I can imagine there's been photos now even of Cleo after she's been rescued like her mum has a backpack on and she's holding Cleo and I can just imagine that they just want to try and get on with it now it'd just be so such an ordeal and then to still have to kind of deal with all this hopefully now and I think it may start to die down a little bit now that Terence isn't due in court for another month like people may start moving on a little bit and leaving them alone, hopefully. Yeah, at some point it has to feel kind of weird to be stalking them still. We were just talking before we recorded, like I don't really think there's going to be much more information to come out at least before he goes to court. Like I'm pretty sure the police are going to keep a lot of the details close to their chest. Um, It's probably going to take them a while to actually properly interview her since she's so young. Yeah. I'm sure that will be a process that will go on for months even maybe, so... Yeah, so I don't think we'll get too many more answers. No. Like, I know that the media are still carrying on about his brat's obsession and his, you know, all that stuff. And But now that he's in jail and probably won't be seen again, I think it'll start to die down. Yeah. All right, should we do go through some questions? of the questions yep. I saved? Yep. So I screenshot some questions that we were getting on Instagram. I made a little post and asked what you guys want to know or what you want to hear us talk about. Some of you guys asked the same questions, obviously, so I'll say some of the usernames, but if you ask that question and it's not you, this is just the one I saw first. But generally, a lot of people asked um, if there's any evidence that she was harmed or assaulted in any way. Obviously, we're wondering that, too. There's nothing that's come out about that, so we don't really have an answer to that one. They did say that she was physically okay, so um, I'm assuming that means she didn't have any injuries like any by injuries I'm meaning like broken bones or broken arm yeah yeah, like so I don't know about in terms of sexual assault if that encompasses that when they say physically okay I suspect they probably 
that probably doesn't encompass that. And I'm just hoping that, you know, she wasn't sexually assaulted. But in terms of, you know, bruises, black eyes, burns, you know, things like that that you could have done to her. No. So that's what I take it to mean by physically okay. Yeah. And like we were just saying, it'll probably take a while for them to get that information. Yeah. A lot of people were asking us about people trolling the parents. One question we got from Garden Greats was just wanting us to talk about people harassing the parents. And it's not funny, but funny almost, because last episode we did on Daniel Robinson, we actually did talk about Cleo before she was found. And we went on a big rant about all of this. Mm -hmm. And I cut it all out just because it was easier since at the point the episode was going to come out she'd been found and everything changed we're doing this episode anyways so we'll talk about it again (laughs) um basically we were saying one main point that we said i think was that it's fair to be suspicious of the parents and i think especially in this case where there were so many weird things like you know a lot of there was a lack of information so a lot of people were kind of taking it upon themselves to guess and you know even what even the information that we were getting from the police didn't really clear the parents at the start so I I think it's understandable that people were questioning them we'll both admit early on we were both suspicious of the parents Mm. but I I think you can be suspicious of the parents like we are and talk about it privately with your friends like your internet friends just chat with people about it but it's like a whole nother thing to actually harass the parents and like i would never no matter what i thought even in any case really i would never go to someone's page involved in the crime that i didn't know or anything and just start bullying them i think that's a crazy thing to do like i just i just don't understand what they think is going to be achieved from this especially in a case where you don't actually know like you know i know i've seen people go on murderers things and write you know you're a coward you're a whatever that's maybe a little bit more understandable, but in a case where it might might not be the parents, you know, might be, might not, What what is your trolling going to achieve? Yeah, and I think there's, obviously, there's so many online true crime groups now, people talking about it. There's just a line in the sand somewhere where it's fair to say, like, oh, I'm side-eyeing the parents a little, I'm a little suspicious of the parents, than to just, like, totally double down that be like i know it's the parents they're pieces of shit they didn't react the way that i would react if my kid was abducted and just to like call them names and stuff there's like a more there's even respectable way to talk about it there's even a dad youtuber now who people have been sending to us and he is openly still now with with absolutely no back up to this he's out there saying he thinks it's a drug debt and you know that cleo's stepfather Cleo was taken in retaliation for the stepfather's drug debt. There's, the police have never, ever, ever, ever said anything like that. So, you know, no matter what your theory is, it can still it can hurt people putting it out there based on, do you know what I mean, on nothing. Yeah, it's, like, hard for me to say what I'm, I feel like you get what I mean, but yeah. it's hard to say that there's just different ways to say things that make them less harmful. Yeah. Because sometimes people will see what you say and for some reason think that's fact. Yeah. Even if it's not, even if it's just your opinion. Like, I think there's a way to be clear that it's your opinion and just to not be a garbage human, basically. Yeah. Like, I feel like we could both respectfully be like, I was suspicious of the parents or even at the time be like, 
we might have said this in other episodes or something. I'm just being like, I think it's a little weird that this happened. This happened. Even but like I know that we're not. In, it's not like a witch hunt for us. Like for example, for Jelani Day, which I know is not the same case, but you know, obviously there's people. We have probably a different opinion of what happened to his to what his family do. But you know, there's a way you can discuss things and be respectful of. You know, we don't need to go and you can. There is a way you can discuss things and be respectful about it. Yeah, yeah. It's just even in in any case, I feel even if the person is a murderer, you don't need to go on their social media and harass them because one they're probably not gonna fucking see it yeah because they're arrested for murder <laughs> and they're not gonna care because like they murdered someone they don't care that someone random person online is calling them a piece of shit yeah i don't know i just think we've always been very anti that like we have the in our groups the rule is always don't go real life which means don't message someone who's involved in a case that we discuss don't call them don't go to their house don't you know there's a million reasons why you should not be doing these things and some people still just think have no regard for that and they think it's a smart and clever and funny thing to do and it never ever ever is i think that one of the differences is is there's people out there who think they're going to solve the case and make a difference and they're going to have this breakthrough Netflix crime documentary don't fuck with cats moment where most of the time that's not going to happen and I've always said to people online because we've done this online for a while like I'm not trying to solve these cases I just like to talk about them and talk about different theories with people who also like following crime I'm not out there trying to investigate things myself the most I'll do is like stalk out someone's social media or something and look at their pictures. Yeah. I'm not commenting on it. So I think people just kind of need to take a step back and <laughs> stop trying to like insert themselves so much into these things and just be a spectator like us. Yeah. Talk about <laughs> be like us. If you need <laughs> if you need friends to talk about it with, mm. hello, we're right here. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard to like put it exactly into words so i hope people get what i'm saying there's just a difference between people like us who just chat about it and then people who go on a witch hunt for the parents or for whoever i was i saw a lot of people um i was just thinking about um there was a subreddit for cleo and there's so many posts being like well i hope the people who accuse the parents are gonna apologize now but yeah yeah, they're they're owed a lot of apologies so, yeah, a lot of people brought that up. Kelly Menzies, she said, what in the actual fuck? What led them to this creeper? That's what I really want to know. We want to know that, too. Like, apparently, this guy, he was known to the police and kind of known for being troublesome of some sort where people knew of him. But that's all we really know, right? Yeah, like, I don't know. I know that it's since come out and they've um, apparently they were asking people like around the campsite and things like that, what shoe size they were. So I'm thinking maybe he left some type of footprint. Um, I know that one of the things they said they did was they basically looked at every car that left the campsite and kind of tracked down every single car and where they went. I don't know how true that is or I don't I know. I did I- also, in the videos I was watching today, they said they had you know, all the different CCTV cameras are in the area that they were looking at. And they assigned one officer to each camera to go through all the footage and like literally investigate or write down everything that happened in it. Yeah. So, I mean, I know with shoes, if that was something there's, I'm assuming it's the same there, but in the U.S. there's a shoe database where you can 
put in all the different characteristics of the bottom of a shoe into this database and it'll pull what kind of shoes would leave those footprints. Um, I saw it when I took forensics in college and they showed it to us. So they could always have found out what type of shoe it was and then where that shoe was sold in the last however many years and then stores could keep that information on record like who bought the shoe and that is sometimes how i don't know if that's what happened here but i'm just saying that crazy stuff like that happens but i'll be interested to hear how they did come to this conclusion that it was him it's um it's funny when we're talking about the shoes because every single thing I've ever read about this Terrence guy always says he's barefoot. <laughs> like he was barefoot when they arrested him. He was barefoot in court. He was even barefoot getting on the plane to go to the maximum security prison. <laughs> so maybe that's what maybe that's what it was. There was a literal <laughs> footprints. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But um, and they're like, well, this no, guy's never shoes. I figure there must have been other things. Like maybe they were able to kind of triangulate phones that were in the area because it was pretty remote. So there wouldn't have been a whole lot of, you know, cars and phones and things like that, that they would have to go through. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully they tell us more. They haven't really said, they've just said it's based on, you know, the forensic investigation and hundreds of hours and hundreds of people investigating. So I'm assuming going through like all the CCTV too, like and hearing about a car, if you see this car, yeah, a few times in different ones. Like it was probably a lot of narrowing things down. Yeah, like for instance, I if guess. there was like a gas station or a service station somewhere along the way, they could have got the footage from their, you know, fat truck and every car that drove past in that six-hour period or whatever the time period was. So, like there are, I'm sure there are, and that's why it took three weeks nearly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. They obviously did a great job. I would hope one day, which I think we will learn more because they have seemed very proud of it and. You know, it was crazy, amazing detective work based on their what they've said. And they've said there was no tip that led them to the house. So that's, you know, it seems like it was all or mainly detective work anyway. Yeah. And especially if he was also kind of known to them for being a weirdo. Yeah. Um, another thing some people were asking, specifically the one I screenshot is from Maddie Carver, said, how did her parents not hear the tent being opened? Yeah. That's still something that's I don't think the parents are involved at all at this point. I'm not one of those people being like, it's all a big conspiracy, but still crazy to me that this guy went, unzipped their tent, which is loud to begin with, went in there, took her and her sleeping bag yeah, and left and no one heard anything. People I are wish saying, I was that heavy of a sleeper. Yeah. People are saying Cleo didn't wake up. She would have woken up. She would have screamed. But that is not true. Well, in my experience, that isn't always true. Like I've got an eight-year-old daughter, so even o- older than Cleo, and we can pick her up and move her. I could put her in a car; she wouldn't wake up. Like if she's that dead asleep, you know, middle of the night, it wouldn't. She wouldn't wake up. So I know every kid is different, but yeah. you know, but she could have been like that. Yeah, she absolutely could have been like that. The thing I do find strange is that nobody heard her. Like the tent, the photos I've seen doesn't look huge. Um, it's, it's just, just a like, sleeping bag that gets me because they're so loud. Yeah, like even if I ever share a hotel room with my kids or whatever, you can hear, you hear everything. And I know some mm-hmm. people are heavier sleepers. I just feel like the odds of neither of them hearing her are unusual. So I read did read a comment. Some people said it was quite noisy with the waves and the wind. So maybe that's why I was wondering how loud it is there. Maybe that's part of it. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's I would it's unusual. Like I just also think. It would have been noisy. The zip of the sleeping bag, you know, trying but to. But then again, it's also like 
like you know when you step on the base of a tent and you can hear it like it's all it's all plastic and polyester and whatever else it is yeah everything's crinkly yeah yeah but also maybe you kind of if you think about it because it's always easy for us to say things like that in hindsight but in the moment and we've said this before other things the last thing you're thinking of is that someone is in your tent abducting your child yeah so maybe you're like half asleep and you hear a sleeping bag rustling around and you're just like oh that's oh, just, she's like just moving cleo. around yeah. yeah that's just cleo in her sleeping bag moving around and it says they did camp a lot so obviously you know i'm sure they're used to noises like that so yeah it's just they could have heard it and thinking about it now like if i heard some rustling in the other room and it was like someone breaking into my house and doing something i still don't even think that i would be like that i would put that together because it's just not the first thing you think of no yeah exactly it's like the nappies that's not the first thing that you think of is that someone's buying nappies for their abducted child yeah like it's easy for all of us to say in hindsight online being like how did they not wake up and i still feel that way but then also just trying to think about how they didn't hear it yeah maybe they did but it just doesn't seem like a massive red flag. It's not like he came in there talking, screaming, where they're like, ah, oh, there's a man in the tent. <laughs> like, <laughs> And he could have also just covered Cleo's mouth. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. One day, one day. But I agree that I still think it's crazy that they didn't hear anything. But I guess it happens. Absolutely. Someone asked, any update on the Gabby Petito case? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not what we asked about. <laughs> but also still no. We still had some people saying, still feel suspicious of the parents. Um, still feel weird about the parents. I mean, I get a lot of people feel that way. I don't feel that way personally. I feel like it. I don't understand how the parents and all of this would be connected at this point. The only thing I can think in terms of it actually like being a loose connection is that he knew them, like he knew the parents, he knew Cleo or knew of them anyway. Like I don't think that it's anything the parents did or, you know, as like a yeah. drug debt or anything like that. So I think it's just him possibly becoming obsessed and, you know, whatever else. Yeah. I, besides that, I just don't get what there would be to be suspicious about about them in the sense that, Cleo wound up with this guy like I don't I really don't know yeah um a lot of people just saying um what the actual fuck because that's <laughs> that's kind of how we all feel I feel like um, the majority of questions are about how did they not hear was she abused which we don't know and a lot of people a lot of people wanted to just know more about the abductor so hopefully we covered that in yeah. detail and a lot of people wanted to know does the family have any ties to the abductor which we've touched on a few times. We don't really know. It seems like he might have been stalking them somehow. Don't know if how they would have... They, police haven't said how they would have crossed paths, how he would have found them, how if they really knew him. They just said that he's not really someone they know. But it seems like he probably stalked them in some capacity since this happened and since he followed their Instagrams. One thing I didn't add in, which I've read, is that he apparently lived with his grandmother or was very close to his grandmother, and she passed away recently-ish, like in the last year or you know, in a in the in a shortish time frame. So people are wondering if maybe he was kind of a carer for her, um, and then if 
he needed, you know, he had no one to care for anymore now that his grandma had passed away. So maybe that was part of his reason for taking Cleo. Again, I don't know if that's true or just speculation about, you know, but that's something that I've seen raised online, which is a little bit interesting. Yeah, I mean, clearly he's mentally ill in some capacity and that probably didn't help. Hopefully he doesn't get off for like insanity or something. Yeah, I don't think he will. I don't know. No, because a lot of planning would have had to go into this. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, obviously we don't know everything, but it seems like he did care for her. Like he had clothes for her, he had nappies for her, she was fed, like, you know, as I said, she didn't look horrendous. So there was some planning have gone into this, which also makes me think it has to have been premeditated. Like he just didn't rock up at the campsite and hope to find a child. He knew he was going to find Cleo. Or even just he knew. I think that he did plan to abduct her clearly, but even if he was just, like, planning to abduct a kid and got all these supplies, like... Yeah. One um thing that we did get on the Instagram, which isn't a question, but we had someone message us yesterday and they're like, why are you guys highlighting this? This person is clearly mentally ill. How dare you make fun of someone who's mentally ill, basically? Which we're not making fun of him at all. We've just said this is his social media, this is all his public posts. But I went through our feed and basically every single crime that we cover has to do with some type of mental illness. Like... Gloria Williams was clearly mentally ill. Her and her boyfriend were clearly there's something going on there. Even like Alex Murdoch or whatever his name is, you know, there's obviously yeah. some type of, I don't know, I, you know, I'm not going to diagnose these people, but there's obviously something going on. Like, I, there's, there's like narcissism for him. Yeah, there's very rarely a crime, I feel, where, the, where there isn't some type of mental illness. Like even Chris Watts is probably, I don't know, a psychopath or a narcissist or something. Again, I'm not diagnosing, but I'm saying there's obviously things going on so I find it that there's no way you can really have a true crime community without talking about these things otherwise what else are you going to talk about if you can't talk about people who are mentally ill that most of them are yeah no I think most people who I get that there's crimes of passion and stuff like that but just to be able to even kill someone or to do half the crimes we talk about I feel like you have to have some sort of mild mental illness at least but i don't think it's i get what the person's saying of like we shouldn't make fun of them and we're not really making fun of them like you could say all of this as without any humor to it at all and it would still be absolutely fucking absurd yeah but i think it's not right to say we shouldn't talk about like people who are mentally ill committing crimes because if anything it just shows that people with that are mentally ill need more support people have always said this there's not enough support for people with mental illness like it's something that is still kind of stigmatized people feel ashamed to talk about it maybe if this guy felt comfortable enough to see a therapist or go to a psychologist go to a doctor talk to someone about his problems if he felt confident enough to do that maybe none of this would have happened like not specifically this situation but if people felt more comfortable seeking help for mental illnesses or talking about it a lot of these situations might be able to be prevented. So I think we should talk about it. And people should realize that it can be dangerous. Yeah. I also, <laughs> I just want to re- reiterate too, we have we never make fun of him. All we've spoken about is his brat's obsession, which is all his public information anyway. Like he posted it all. He was very proud of his brat's obsession, it seems. So, you know, I feel like that is part of who he is. And who are we to if you didn't abduct a child we wouldn't even know yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly so and i also found it interesting that the person who sent this didn't ever like didn't say anything about the gloria williams 
you know, which is another, the most recent one where there was obviously some mental illness going on. No comment on that. It's true, though. Even with hmm. that situation, if more people stepped in to help Gloria or yeah. if she felt confident talking about, yeah, or if she just like felt confident in seeking help or if another family member of hers saw the signs of this mental illness and stepped in, that's another situation that could have been prevented. So I think it's fine to talk about. We're not bullying them for being mentally ill. No. It's just a fact. Exactly. So if you're going to message me and say I'm bullying them, that's my answer. <laughs> We're really not bullying anyone. If you want no. me to bully this guy, if you think this is me bullying someone, I got a surprise for you when I really bully someone. <laughs> But I think that's really it. We'll obviously keep posting about this on Instagram and our other social media platforms for the days following and for anything that happens about it. If you guys want to talk about it, definitely follow us on Instagram because we always post little polls and questions and stuff. Also on our forum, if that's more your vibe, if you want to chat with people there and be a little bit more anonymous, that's a good place to go, truecrimesociety.com. We have our Facebook pages, but they're kind of facebook's like on another bender so i wouldn't even suggest going there to talk about it because you might get something deleted from you might get your comments deleted three years from now and be in jail you never know i got a thing i didn't even know i was posting something on the page which is about crime obviously and i got that little pop-up and it's like are you okay do you need help <laughs> like oh my gosh obviously yeah. they're thinking i'm too you're looking at death too much <laughs> And leave for this us alone, case, meta. I know, just leave me alone. For this case too, definitely 100% check out the blog because there's all the screenshots of his social media, all his fake family, you know, all the clips That's of all Cleo being now, rescued. Yeah, so we've got screenshots. So I'll, it's all, most of it's up on the blog. I'll finish it off this weekend. Yeah, like his Bratz page and all that's been taken down. So luckily, as always, we've screenshotted a good amount of it. So if you want to check it out, um, we will post the link to the blog around, but it's also just at truecrimesocietyblog.com, and it'll probably be one of the top ones there since it'll be new. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, leave us a nice review, and we're trying to tell people to actually subscribe to the podcast now because that helps us out, and then it'll just download for you automatically. That way you don't forget because I know everyone has busy lives. And my final request, as always, if you're listening to it and you don't mind posting it to your Instagram story, we really like that because it shows all your followers this cool new podcast you're listening to and then maybe they'll want to listen to it and then that just helps us spread the word and we love to repost them as a nice humble brag and it just makes <laughs> us <laughs> so keep doing that if you don't mind being a big one i knew it was going to be a big episode but i'm just so glad that she's been found safe but yeah that's that i guess i don't know what we're going to talk about next time so if you have any ideas send them our way <laughs> all right well do you have anything else to say no, I'm all good. Hopefully we'll have some more good news stories next time. So we'll talk to you guys next week. See ya. Bye.